What's up, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, here with my co-host Curtis on the other end of the line. Uh, if you guys care about social media at all, you can follow us on Twitter at Glory underscore UGA and or email us at Glory UGA Podcast at gmail.com. We're also working on getting a Facebook page going, but uh, honestly, as I sat down to do that, I quickly realized that I'm an absolute idiot and I had no idea what I was doing. I'm just, uh, I'm not a Facebook guy. I was in college actually when Facebook first started, so I was definitely into it then, but I've really not been an active Facebook user since my undergrad years. I even deleted my account a couple years back, so needless to say, it has been a while, like uh, a decade or so since I really used Facebook. Uh, so when I sat down last week to try to get a Glory UGA page up and going, uh, yeah, Facebook has changed a lot. So I have no clue what I'm doing with it or how to operate it all, which is slightly embarrassing for a guy who's relatively youngish. But whatever, we'll figure it out. Um, anyway, the bottom line is we want to make the show as interactive as possible for all of uh, our listeners out there. And hopefully a Facebook page will be just one more step in that direction. Uh, and speaking of interacting with our listeners... The end of the month is nearly upon us, which uh, for us means that it's time for the May listener mailbag. Did you like that segue, Kurt? You like how I did that? Yeah. That's that's how it's done, son. But yeah, uh, I'm heading on vacation tomorrow, actually, so we'll be recording our listener mailbag shows as soon as I get back in town uh, early next week. So get your questions in. Uh, again, uh, Twitter, at Glory underscore UGA. You can email us questions at gloryugapodcast at gmail.com. We do not care at all what they're about. Uh, football, recruiting, baseball, basketball, life in general, whatever it may be. If you guys have questions, we definitely want to do our best to answer them. Uh, but let's get into today's show, Kurt. Uh, as we end the summer months here, uh, which to me, they're they the months that just kind of seem to drag on, at least for me, and almost... Uh, they really just go on indefinitely, it seems like, as we eagerly anticipate the arrival of the new football season. Um, like, really, honestly, guys, vacation time aside, I, mean, I get to go to a couple different places this summer, which is awesome. But outside of that, I hate the summer. What do you think? Is the summer something that you look forward to, Kurt? To get a little, get a little time off? Or is it just, for like, are you like me, where it's just kind of this interminable period of just crap, basically? To me, it's just a long time of nothing, really. Yeah, it is. I mean, I guess you can say baseball, pro baseball, but I mean, I've gotten to the point in my life where pro baseball doesn't really do much for me. It's just the season drags on and on and on, and the Braves are terrible. I just, it doesn't, and I'm not a pro sport guy anyway. There's really no college sports going on, uh, and football's so close, but it's at the point where it seems so far away. So factor that in with the fact that it's just, it's insanely hot. It's just intolerably hot here in the South. It's the time of the year, man, for me. I just... I don't love it. I love the fall. I look forward to the fall. Uh, that's my time of year. But, you know, we'll make do. Um, but really, also during the summer, this is the time of year where we will start to see all the preseason college football publications hitting your local newsstands. The Athlons, the Phil Steels, the Lindys, etc. Kurt, do you ever pick up any of those magazines? Nope, not really. I used to not. Uh, but like, when you go on vacation... Honestly, if you're talking about for Georgia football, you're not going to learn anything from those magazines that you don't. If you pay attention to Georgia football throughout the season, that you don't already know. Now it's nice, kind of get a little different take on some other teams. Look at the preseason rankings, so on and so forth. Just conversation points. I, honestly, I I usually pick one up uh, more so for my wife than anything to kind of get her a little primer for the season when we go on vacation and sit there at the beach. Uh, I'll read through a couple things and she'll kind of read through the entire thing, which is kind of cool, kind of get her going for the season. But outside of that, I don't really pay that much attention to them. 
But still, regardless, it kind of gives us a little um, preseason conversation, a little fodder to go over here as we wait the arrival of the new season. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take a look at two of those preseason magazines. Phil Steele, I know, has become very popular over the past couple of years, but that magazine takes a little longer to come out. It's not out yet. But um, Athlon Lindy's, they are out. And uh, I went and looked at both of those, not specifically because I think they're better than the others, but just because they were the two that I found at Kroger when I stopped in, to be honest. Uh, but we're going to take a look at various predictions and statements that stand out in both those publications, Athlon's and Lindy's, and debate whether uh, we're buying or selling what they have to say. Make sense, Kurt? Mm-hmm. All right. So let's start with Athlon's 2017 preseason positionings. They had rankings for every position. Uh, and I want to start with their ranking of the different linebacking cores around the country. So, Kurt, before I get, give you what they had, I'm going to give you a chance to take a guess. Just guess where they had our 2017 linebacking core ranked nationally. Oh, 30. 30? Yeah. Nationally? Well, yeah, I'm just going to throw it out there. Wow. No, they, I mean, wow, not 30. They actually had our linebacking core ranked first, number one nationally. Out of every team in America, they have our linebacking group, they, and they included inside and outside linebackers if you're going with a 3-4 defense, which is, I guess, I guess technically what we run, although we're in a base 3-4 about maybe 10% of the time. But they have our linebacking group ranked first. And here's what they had to specifically say about that linebacking group. Here's a a quote from the magazine. Quote, leading the way for this unit is a uh, linebacking unit that features rising star Roquan Smith in the middle, while pass rushers Lorenzo Carter and David Bellamy are back to wreak havoc around the line of scrimmage, combining for 10 sacks last year. Natres Patrick will flank Smith on the interior, while the depth is plentiful with Reggie Carter, Chauncey Manak, and DeAndre Walker returning so curtis our linebacking group ranked as number one in the country are you buying or selling that i'm selling that completely really why not even a thought the biggest thing is the outside linebackers you know lorenzo still has not tapped his potential adapt bellamy doesn't really wreak havoc he's just a solid guy that you know he he He's just solid across the board. He doesn't excel, overly excel at one certain thing, but he, you know, he just does a solid job. And um, I think that's the biggest thing why we have no true pass rusher like some teams do that can just throw him out there that you have to game plan for him every time, like you kind of saw with Alabama last year. We don't have that. Lorenzo's capable of that, but he still has not tapped it. Well, I think our inside linebacking core is probably one of the best in the nation with um, Roquan and Atrez. I just think the, if, when you um, attach what the outside linebackers have, it doesn't put us up in the top. I say maybe in the top ten. I I, I agree with you. I, I would like to agree with this. I mean, I'd like to buy this, but dude, number one in the country. Look, I, I agree. If, if you're talking just inside linebacking duos, we've talked about this before. I would be hard pressed to say that there's a an outright better inside linebacking duo than what we have right now with Roquan Smith and Nate Respect. I really love what both those guys bring to the table. Natrez. Uh, he's a versatile guy. He's maybe not as uh, quick silent to silent as Roquan is, but he's also a guy that on third down situations can come up and rush the passer. Uh, he's more of a, a thicker force there in between the tackles, but Roquan has shown the ability to filter through the traffic, um, bring ball carriers down between the tackles, but also is just a force silent to sideline with his athletic ability. And I think he's going to work himself into potentially uh, a first-round situation this year or a first-round projection where he might uh, leave early. We'll see. But Especially- when you- 
No, he also talks. The person also talks about the the death. Right. Get there. You saw Reggie Carter when he had to play those last couple games without when we had significant drop off. There was just. It, I mean, it was crazy. I mean, you could just see it. Like it was not even funny how big of a drop. You don't think we could have used some of those guys? We could have used Roquan at the end of the season against Tech, going sideline to sideline. I mean, and then you go and then you talk about DeAndre Walker, who is yet to fully become an every down guy. Who's he's supposed to be a pass rush specialist, but he doesn't really do it much when he comes on the field. Yeah, he's not so even I, that. Even, even when he comes on the buy. field as pass rushing specialist, does he ever really make his presence known? I've yet to really say, oh wait, Walker just made a big play. Unless it's on special teams. Yeah, I mean, he's a special teams beast. I mean, he's a he destroys people on special teams. But that's about it right now. So I agree with Richie Carter there. Chauncey Minak, I'm really high on what Chauncey Minak can do, and I know our coaches are. But the dude hasn't done it in a real game yet. I mean, he has. He literally has not done it yet. And, and so we're going completely on potential there, which I think he will be a really good player. But will it be this year? I don't know, and and if you go back to inside linebackers, yes, we have three guys that can play, two that are elite, I think, one that's serviceable, Richie Carter, but outside of that, is anybody else ready to play? Um, no, I mean, the rest are going to be freshmen. Yeah, I mean, and you've got, Crowder, you got Jawan yeah. Taylor and Tay Crowder, but those guys are, I mean, those guys can never, if they're ever our starters, we're in trouble at this point, point. and yeah, we got some young guys, Monty Rice and Nate McBride that I'm really high on, but... They're they're freshmen. They may redshirt. They'll, they'll both probably play on some special teams. But to say that that we have great depth, I don't know about that, man. And I, maybe Robert Beal is going to play that position and come rise some depth as another incoming freshman. But in terms of proven quality depth, I just don't know that we have that. I want to believe that we do. I wish we did. But when you factor in our outside linebackers along with inside, I don't know if we can be number one. I know that uh, you got Lorenzo. And Davin Bellamy back as, as seniors, which you on the surface say, well, that's some that's a veteran presence. Those guys have played a lot of minutes, a lot of downs. But have they ever really stood off the page to you as dominant players? Um, no, especially Davin. Yeah, I mean, are they the kind of are either one of them the kind of guy that the, the offense coordinators have to game plan around? Are they game wreckers? Lorenzo should be, but hasn't showed himself. Well, if you go in his recruiting rankings, he should be, and he's got probably he's probably got the athletic ability to do it, and he's. He came on. I'll, I'll give Lorenzo this. He really started to hustle more last year. He played really hard, which I don't yeah, know has always been the case. Hustle, but he still hasn't truly – I don't think he's tapped the potential that he could truly have as an outside linebacker. But Bellamy, I mean, he he's not a great pass rusher. He's a little slow off the jump. Um, he doesn't do a great job of holding the edge either. So that's why I couldn't put him there. Well, he does sometimes, he's, but he's inconsistent. Both of those that's guys, like, that's I mean, my sometimes thing. Sometimes they'll do it great, and then other times you're just sitting there like, Bellamy, you're supposed to be an upperclassman. What are you doing? Yeah, they're both just inconsistent. They've both shown the ability to do it, but do they do it consistently enough to be the number one unit in the nation? I don't know, man. I think they're really factoring in that we got some guys, a lot of guys returning, some upperclassmen, veteran presence there. Uh, I appreciate the respect. I just don't know if it's warranted at this point. And they, and they mentioned that, that Carter and, and Bellamy combined for 10 sacks last season. Like, that's doing something. Are you kidding me? They combined I mean, some, for 10 some sacks? Some programs had guys who did that themselves. There were 35 players in the nation last year that individually had more sacks than Lorenzo and Davin did combined. I, that's just reality. So, I mean, yeah, 10 sacks combined is okay. But, I mean, dude, to say that we're the number one unit in the nation, that's that's just it's a little much. And I, I know it sounds like we're coming down hard on these guys, and I don't mean it to be that way. I just... To be fair, I, I don't know if we deserve to be called the number one linebacking unit in the country. Maybe by the end of the season, I'll be proven wrong. And I hope to God I am proven wrong. But I just don't know if, as a whole, we've done enough. I don't know if we have enough game changers. Uh, 
teams are guys that wreck offensive game plans. I don't know if we have enough of those guys right now. I think we have some really great. I think we have a couple really good players, especially in Roquan and Natrez. But outside of that, I think we have some good guys, some guys that are good players that can do good things. But they're not elite. At least they haven't shown that yet. Maybe, and I've been on Lorenzo for a long time, and I think he might have the highest upside of anybody on our team. I've kind of backed off that a little bit here recently. But for a long time, early in his career, I did say that. But he just hasn't gotten to that point. So we just we've got to see. I got to see before I can say that. Yeah, we have the number one unit uh, in terms of linebackers in the country. Uh, all right, uh, next one here. Sticking with Athlon's position rankings. They also have our secondary ranked fairly high as the f- number four unit in the nation. And they had this to say about our secondary group. Quote, the combination of four starters returning and the addition of two top 100 recruits should propel Georgia's secondary to a place among the nation's best. Three-year starter Dominic Sanders is a ball hawk at free safety with 12 career interceptions. He's joined by fellow senior Aaron Davis on the strong side, although we don't really have a strong and free side. That's not how Kirby runs it, but whatever. But true freshman Richard LeCount III will be tough to keep on the bench. The cornerback duo of Malcolm Paris and DeAndre Baker was a reliable one for the Bulldogs last year. End quote. So, Curtis, are you buying or selling our DB unit as the fourth best in the nation? Uh, and in the head of us, they have uh, Alabama, number one, Florida State, and Stanford coming at number three. So, are I mean, you buying that? Well, once again, I think the biggest thing is, you know, it's hard for these freshmen to come in and expect them to do the job right away. And at the same time, Dominic Sanders, you really saw him get exposed last year a lot of the time. He's very poor in coverage and very poor in tackling. He is, he is a ball hawk. He, you know, he can go and get the ball at times. But other than that, I mean, he misses a lot of tackles for an upperclassman, and, you know, he's not the best in coverage. So I think that's one thing that really hurts us right there. Um, and, and then even then, you know, we lose um, uh, Maurice Smith in the star position, which is I think he was probably our most consistent and best de- defender in the defensive backfield last year. And then at the same time, I, um, while Parrish plays hard and Baker both play hard, I still think they're a little unproven. And I think Baker is someone that could, could possibly even get, um, you know, passed up. Yeah, I think, well, yeah, Tyreek McGee is right there on his heels. I mean, the coaches like Tyreek McGee, so it'll be interesting to see if Baker can hold on to that position. And we also have got guys coming in this uh, this summer with Amir Speed, Eric Stokes, yes, and Latavius Yes, people like Speed who are actually more what the coaches want. I mean, as, as hard as Parrish plays, he just can't. He, I mean, he gets beat on the inside time after time, and then he gets outjumped a lot of the time, too, on deep balls. Yeah, I love Malcolm Parrish, the guy. I, I love yeah. the kid. He plays hard. He plays with a lot of heart, but... He's Sometimes a tough you're, player. You're, you're limited. Yeah, he is. There's, I mean, there's nothing you can do about your height. And we're like, I mean, go back to the, the the Ole Miss game last year when they were just lobbing balls down the field against us. And in, in in some cases they were running wide open, like with like with Jerron Briscoe. But there were other cases where guys were right there. I remember one in particular where Parrish was right there. But the guys, I mean, when they're six four, there's just no way you can compete with that. There's just no way, and even if you you're know, right there in his the hip pocket. You know, third downs, teams were just running slants right in front of him. Yeah. Yeah, he's getting, he couldn't jam them. Yeah, absolutely. But that's, things like that are why I couldn't put us that high because we've got to be just as physical as them, in which we aren't. I think some, when some of these freshmen that we have right now get in there, may I, I think you could say next year or the year after, but not this year because I think those freshmen that were highly ranked and some of these guys like Speed are the type of guys that could put us in the top five defensive backfield. So you're selling that? Yeah. I hate to agree with you again, but I do. Uh, I think we're probably a. I would say it's fair to call us a top ten DB unit. 
top fifteen at the you know around there. You but, say top fifteen? I I think we could f- maybe make it t- sneak into the well, top ten. Could be top ten, but you also I mean, how many times has Ohio State gra- you know had all these guys grad uh, graduated or drafted, and yet they still have a really good defensive backfield? I mean, there's things like that that I don't think they're taking into account. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's true. Yeah, you lose Jamal Adams and people, but they still turn out. That's I DBU. Mean, they got Stevens. Yeah, that's still that's, yeah. They got, yeah, they got Stevens over there. Uh, that's DBU for sure. They got some guys that are improving. Lucia Davis White, but they they always have loaded. They're always loaded up there in that in that defensive backfield. Uh, I guess that's fair. Um, but I mean, look, I, 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 on some level, I see where they're coming from. The the fact that we return starters at four out of the five DB positions, with the lone loss being Maurice Smith at the star position. I mean, let's be real that's that's a starter that's a starter's position now. Um, but but and then, you know, I didn't even get started on Aaron Davis. I oh, mean, the guy only plays here and there, but he consists. He's another one that's not physical. Well, he plays. He played a, a lot last year. I mean, he was. I mean, he was. He was there in almost every package. I mean, he'd be subbed out here and there, but I mean, he was even in there in our dime package. So Davis, I mean, yeah, don't get me wrong, he played a lot, but there's a lot of times he was the one getting beat too. Just oh, I mean, sure. we'd, we'd say it was uh, Mazet Mauser, Mazet or Maze. whatever, but many yeah. times it was Aaron Davis himself also not being physical. Well, I think enough. Aaron Davis, like, and this goes—it was not just this coach staff. I mean, he he won the trust of the previous defensive coaching staff with Jeremy Pruitt. Well, also Pruitt though at the end had gotten really tired of the lack of physicality he was using, and that's why he yeah. he got moved from the cornerback position. Yeah, I mean, I think they trust him like in meeting rooms because he knows what to do. He's a smart, intelligent player. You can count on him. But he's kind of going back to Malcolm Parrish. It's not so much size that's limiting Aaron Davis. It's just athletic ability. I think he's somewhat athletically limited out there. And you're right. Sometimes he's not as physical. Or there's been moments in his career where he has not been as physical as he needs to be probably. Uh, so I think that's been an issue for him. So, yeah, and I mean – it's hard for me to imagine a, a secondary with Aaron Davis relying a, a guy who's a former walk-on. Although he's been a good player for us, right? Would you would you agree that he's been a good player? Not I great, say, but good. I'd just say solid. So, okay, he's been a solid. That's fair. He's been a solid player. But for a team, a team that's a backfield to rely on Aaron Davis to be a a guy that's going to play significant downs for you, can that team possibly be considered a top five DB unit? Honestly, no. I, I don't I don't know I mean I don't think so I, like but I, I going back to I I do understand where they're coming from saying that we have veteran presences back there uh, but for me while we are experienced in the back end and all four of our returning starters are solid to good players I'm not sure any of them are great I think they're good players even Dominic Sanders I think he's a good player sometimes a very good player when he's when he's he won't be a top uh, a t- even a t- first or second round pick yeah it just depends on how we use Dominic like when when we use Dom as uh the ball hawk back there where he's just roaming the center of the field when we use him in, in packages like that that's where he's at his best as he can anticipate very well he breaks on balls well he reads quarterback's eyes well he understands uh route progressions he understands route combinations he recognizes all that stuff that's the reason he started since he was a true freshman so he's very good at that, but when you ask him to man up on somebody, that's just not his skill set. He's asked to do that sometimes, and you mentioned it as well. Tackling in the open field, he's gotten better at that, as you would expect, as he's grown through his career, but he still is an inconsistent tackler in the open field, and when you're a safety, you can't be an inconsistent tackler. You have to get them on the ground. You're the last line of defense in many cases, so that that's a guy I think is a good player. He's sometimes a really good player, depending on how we use him. But he's not a, a dominant player. He's he's not elite. And our cornerbacks, I think they're good players. But I, I don't know if any of them are great. Now, I think we have some young guys in D'Angelo Gibbs and Richard LeCount who will be great players for us. Would you agree with that? 
Yeah, I do. But is is it going to happen this year? No, I don't know. Even Kirby is, you know, he's made it pretty clear that that he's really high on Richard LeCount, but he's got a lot of growing to do, a lot of learning to do, a lot of uh, actually physically maturing. He's got to get bigger and stronger. Now Gibbs is there physically, but he's still got to learn what to do. I think as the season wears on, he might win that start that star position. Maybe by the time the season starts, I, I wouldn't count him out there. I think he's a, a great fit there, uh, but. You know, he's a freshman. We've got to see. I think he will be great, but I just don't know if he will be in year one. I think he'll show signs, but I don't know if he'll be consistently great. So, yeah, I'm with you there as well. Um, and also the depth, too. I mean, I know we have some guys coming in, some young guys. What, we got like five DBs if you factor in the two early enrollees. But outside of that, I mean, think about Jake Fromm. Throwing against the number two defense, yeah, Jake Fromm looked incredible, and Jake Fromm is going to be really good in my opinion. But part of the reason he was so good is because he was throwing against walk-on quarterbacks that were on our yeah, second team we, defense. We had that few people. Yeah, so I mean, the depth is not there either at this point. So I, I think it's a little bit too generous to give us a top five DB unit right now. I I would say maybe top ten, the the far in the top ten, but not top five. All right, and staying with Athlon's position rankings once more here. According to Athlon Sports, coming into the 2007 season, we have the second best group of running backs in the nation behind, who would you think? Alabama. Alabama. Right, behind Bama. So, Kurt, are you buying or selling the notion that Alabama has a better overall running back unit than we do from top to bottom? I'm selling it. I mean, Star- Bo Scarborough was very inconsistent last year. He turned it on at the end of the season, but a majority of the season he did not show out much. In the Under 1,000 yards rushing, yeah. Exactly, and I think the other one's Damian Harris. Yep. Uh, well, I think he's a solid guy. You saw, especially in his last couple games, he was not able to win. He was, he was a non-factor, really. Well, there might have been some injury concerns there for him towards the end. I mean, but still, I mean, compared to some of those bigger, faster teams, I mean, when they're faced, especially Clemson, I mean, he didn't do it. And to sit here and say, I mean, right now we've got four capable guys, and that's without uh, – um, but we still yeah, haven't we still haven't seen Elijah Holyfield on the field outside of really one game in the running back position. I, mean, I still think that he's better than their number four guy easily. And then the Najee Harris. We've got, and our, I think our, I would take our top two over him, especially with Sony's versatility. They don't have a person that versatile in their backfield. I mean, Scarborough is just another just kind of straightforward guy, kind of like uh, um, Derrick Henry. Yeah, but like Derrick Henry, well, Damian Harris, he's not a he's not a huge guy either, and he's not one that's going to catch the ball in the backfield. So I think they're, they have, you know, they don't have the thunder and lightning they usually do. I would agree with you on this point. I think that our top two running backs are better than their top two running backs. I think we have better top line talent. If you if you match up Bo Scarborough and Damian Harris versus Chubb and Michelle, I'm taking Nick and Sony all day long. But I don't know if we have better depth right now. Um, and let me look at this real quick. So, look at Alabama, and this is going back to recruiting rankings. Look, recruiting rankings don't mean everything. I mean, once you get to the uh, college level, you actually got to do on the field, but if we're just stacking up in terms of where these guys were thought of coming into their college careers. Bo Scarborough was the number 16 overall player in the nation when he came out. Damian Harris was number 31 overall. B.J. Emmons was number 35 overall. Uh, he was one time committed to us, then we backed off as a great issue, but of course somehow he ends up in, getting into Alabama, even with those great issues. Huh, go figure. And then Najee Harris, Najee Harris, everyone say his first name, coming in this 2017 class, he, he's a, he'll be a true freshman, but he was the number three overall player in the nation. Uh, and looking for us, Nick Chubb, uh, when he came out of high school, he's the number 33 overall player. Sony Michelle is the number 19 overall player. 
Uh, hard to believe that Michelle was ranked higher than Chubb at this point, uh, but hey, it's what it was. Elijah Holyfield was number 166 player overall nationally. DeAndre Swift um, in the 2017 class was 33rd overall. And then Brian Harrigan was 866th overall. But that was kind of misleading because he was a he was a guy that no one was paying attention to, even the recruiting services, because they didn't think he, was, he had a chance to qualify at all. And he worked his ass off and was able to qualify, and Kirby stuck with him. So Harrigan was better than 866th overall, right? I mean, let's be real. Way better than that. But look at those. And, and it, those are just numbers. But seeing these guys play in the field, we, for Alabama, we've seen Scarborough, we've seen Harris, we've seen Emmons a little bit. We haven't seen Harris yet, Najee Harris yet. Um, we've seen Chubb, Michelle, and Harrion for us. We've seen a, a tiny glimmer of Elijah Holyfield, although you guys know I'm really high on him. And then DeAndre, so we haven't seen him yet at the college level. But would I, mean, be- I agree with that. I think the biggest thing is, especially when you're looking at the top two, that when you're sitting there comparing the top two, I think there's a bit, I mean, I don't, people try to act like Bama's, you know, pretty much like almighty out there. I don't see that with their top two, especially. Just Bo Scarborough, yeah, he came on towards the end of last year. He did. I'll give him that, especially in the playoffs and the SEC title game. But for the vast majority of the season, he was a major disappointment. He There were games where he would get like four or five carries, and that was it. I mean, he just wasn't, I mean, maybe a little bit more than that, but he was not getting a, a significant number of carries game in and game out. Now, he did pick it up towards the end, but if you're looking at production at the college level, they of all of their running backs, they have one combined 1,000-yard season on their roster with their current running backs, and that's uh, Damian Harris last year had just over 1,000, I think he had 1,036 yards. Well, if you look at us, Chubbs had uh, 2,000-yard years, and he would have had another 1,000-yard year, just just a little bit away from that if he hadn't gotten injured his sophomore year. Then Michelle had a 1,000-yard year when Chubb went down. So we've got three to their one combined 1,000-yard year. So I, yeah, honestly... That's with the Alabama offensive line. Yeah, that's with... Exactly. That's with their offensive line, uh, with all the talent they have around them, and with the receiving core they have around them, with guys like Cameron Ridley. Uh, so, I mean... I, I would say I like our top-line talent better. They might have better depth. Is that fair? Um, yeah. I mean, I want to well, see – I need to see DeAndre Swift. I need to see Elijah Holyfield more on the field before I can definitively say, yeah, we're better and, all and the way around. Most of this is going off the top two guys. Right, exactly. Let's stick with the guys who get the majority of the carries. And for us, it's going to be Chubb Michelle. For them, it'll probably be Scarborough and Harris with Emmons. And maybe Najee Harris get, coming in and get a couple carries here and there. We'll see what he does. But it's hard to imagine he'll come in and overtake both those guys. Maybe. We'll see. Um, and look, we're, we're splitting hairs here. I mean, I, was it probably also fair to say these are the two top running back units in the country? Yeah, I think that's fair to say. Yeah. And I, I, again, splitting hairs, but I would probably – look, with our – well, what we've been able to produce on the field with Chubb and Michelle, I would I would give them the edge over Bama, especially with what they've been working with with offensive lines and from, as you mentioned. All right, uh, next here, uh, this is Athlon's list of Heisman Trophy contenders. Uh, and they have Nick Chubb listed as number 11 on their Heisman Trophy contender list. Uh, and they have ahead of him, the running backs they have ahead of Nick Chubb are Penn State's Saquon Barkley at number four. They have him a top five Heisman Trophy contender. LSU's Darius Geis at number six. And Alabama's Bo Scarborough just barely ahead of Chubb, but coming in ahead of Chubb at number ten. All three of those guys, Saquon Barkley, Darius Geis, Bo Scarborough, 
all coming in ahead of Nick Chubb on Athlon's Heisman Trophy contender list. So, Curtis, the question is, are you buying or selling that all all three of those guys, Barkley, Geis, and Scarborough, all three have better chances of winning the Heisman Trophy than Nick Chubb does this season? Um, I'm selling it. I, I don't see Scarborough. I mean, if any of the team of, if on the, the Alabama team is going to win it, it's going to be uh, the quarterback. Um, that's yeah. the biggest thing. The other two guys, I think Geis, if anyone from LSU is going to win it, it's going to be him because he's going to be their horse this year, especially if they don't have a stable running back. A lot of unproven at wide receivers. So if anyone's going to do it, it's going to be him for that team. And Barkley, I think he is. I mean, it's it's one of those that where you've always seen in the Big Ten they have some running backs that'll get yards because defenses and things aren't as physical um, up there. Especially, I mean, especially coming off the year he had last year, I just don't buy um, Scarborough. Yeah, I think Scarborough is the one you can actually just throw out. There's no, he does not have a better chance on the Heisman Trophy than Nick Chubb. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. That's why I might put them ahead of Chubb too. Is the fact that those teams don't have stables of running backs compared to what Georgia has, where Chubb's not going to be getting. 30 to 40 carries a game. Yeah, I'm not convinced that Bo Scarborough is the best running back on his on his own team. Like he might be, but I'm just not convinced of that. I don't think that's def- you can something you can say definitively. So if he, I mean, I honestly think that uh, what's the quarterback's name? My mind went blank. Jalen Hurts. Um, yeah, I think Hurts might be a better runner than Scarborough. Yeah, and ha- and how much better did he make the running backs with his ability to run the football? We talked about, and I don't want to go in depth of this again again, but we talked before about how much better a dual-threat quarterback can make your running backs and how much more room it can give them uh, just by virtue of the mathematical equation there, the plus-one scenario. So, And our guys don't have that, and they have it. They've been, doing, they've been putting up those numbers without that system. Um, look, for, for me, definitely throw Bo Scarborough out. And let's look at Saquon Barkley here. Saquon Barkley is a very good running back. He had a great year last year with just under 1,500 yards rush. He was 1,496 yards, 5.5 yards a carry, um, but I'll say this. When I watch Saquon Barkley, and I got to see him up close and personal. I was when he was a freshman uh, down in Jacksonville for the Tax Slayer Bowl, and I watched him multiple times last year. When I watch him play, I see a very good running back. Don't get me wrong. He's a very good running back. But when I watch him play, he does not scream to me, hey, that's the best back in America. You get what I'm saying? Like, I mean, yeah, I just think he's the one that can put up numbers in there. You see, I mean, when it really comes down to it, Heisman is all just popularity. I mean, if sure. he may not be the best guy, but if he has all these yards and stuff, they'll put him up there. Yeah. I would say, in my opinion, I think Darius Geis is the guy that I would probably put above Chubb right now. Uh, definitely, because, he, like, first off, he's a beast. He's inc- I, I, he's I love watching him play. He's explosive. He runs angry. Uh, he had 1,300 yards last year, splitting time with Leonard Fournette. Average seven and a half yards a carry. He is flat out explosive. And with Fournette out of the equation now, he's really the only guy. He will get a ton of carries in that offense. And Nick Chubb, well, he'll, get, he'll get a lot of carries. He's still got to split carries with Sonny Michelle. Right? I mean, Sonny's going to get his touches. Now, we'll do things to get Sonny the ball in different ways. But Sonny's still going to get a fair amount of touches in the traditional backfield or in, from that traditional role. So Chubb's going to split some with him. Now, Nick will probably – he will be our feature back. He'll be the guy. But he's not going to get as many carries as Darius Geis, I don't think, just because there's not other guys to go with Geis at LSU. Um, but let's I want to point this out, though. And I know Nick had somewhat of a, a down issue here coming back from injury with our offensive line issues last year with a true freshman quarterback and a new offensive coordinator. But Barkley, his best year was last year, ran for 1,496 yards, as I mentioned, five and a half yards a carry. But And that was as the start for the full season. Nick Chubb, in half a season as a starter, as a true freshman, 
rushed for more yards than Barkley did last year. He rushed for 1,547 yards in half the season as a starter as a true freshman. Had 13 straight 100-yard games. Seven and a half, or 7.1 yards a carry in his freshman season. He followed up in 2015 in the first half of the season before the, tra- the, the tragic knee injury. In the first half of 2015, he was averaging eight and a, eight, or 8.1 yards a carry. 8.1 yards a carry. Saquon Barkley in his career has never even averaged six yards a carry to this point. He hasn't done that yet. Now, Nick had a down year last year. Even in a down year, Nick averaged over five yards a carry. Just a shade under what Barkley averaged in his best year. So to say that Saquon Barkley is a better running back than Nick Chubb, I'm not buying it. I'm just not buying it. And even when Chubb was not half of himself or whatever percentage he was of himself last year, 75%, whatever it might have been, he was still almost as good as Barkley. Not quite as good as Barkley, but almost as good, especially when you factor in the offensive line that, he, that Chubb had to work with last year. So I think Chubb is a better back. But does that mean he has a better chance to win the Heisman Trophy? I don't know. Again, because he's got to split carries somewhat with, with Michelle. And with our offensive line issues, like how confident are you that we're going to fix those offensive line issues this year? Not very. Yeah, and if we don't, uh, as good as Nick is, are we going to see a dramatic increase in his yards per carry and his overall production? Even if he's a, even if, even if he is closer to a hundred percent, I don't know the answer. To that. I need to see what our offensive line looks like first. So maybe I can, in some ways, see why those guys would be ahead of him. I mean, look, the reason Barkley's so far up there, yes, he's really good. But Penn State had a great year last year, right? And that's part of the Heisman Trophy equation. And people are expecting Penn State to have another great year. And Barkley's going to be a big part of that. So they're the, all the hype there. And people are kind of forgotten about Nick Chubb you know, after last year's troubles with our offense. Um, but I would caution let's not forget about Nick Chubb. Let's not write this guy off yet. I, I, I would probably give guys a better shot right now for the reason I mentioned. But I'm not going to write Nick off yet. All right, now let's quickly transition to Lindy's College Football Preview Magazine here for a few minutes. Uh, now, for my money, one of the coolest features of these magazines, and, and most, well, at least Lindy's and um, Athlon's both do this, is they have what they call the opposing coaches view, where SEC coaches anonymously give their take on other teams in the league. And uh, in reference to our 2017 team, one anonymous SEC coach had this to say, quote, I think Georgia is as talented as anybody in the league other than Alabama. I think they underperformed last year, end quote. Okay, Kurt, are you buying or selling that we are as talented as any team in the SEC outside of Alabama? I'd probably buy that. Yeah, if you look at the recruiting rankings, absolutely. I mean, LSU, based on the recruiting rankings, over the, I think over the past four years, if you average out the, the average finish uh, for each team, they are one spot ahead of us on average in the recruiting rankings over the past four years. We're ahead of Auburn. Uh, we're, ahead of, we're ahead of Florida, we're ahead of Tennessee, uh, LSU's got one spot on us. So I, I think it's definitely fair to say, in, in, based on recruiting rankings, and again, that's not everything, those are just numbers, but it does give you a, a starting point. And if you look at the talent on the field, I know a lot of our talent was young last year, but if you look at the talent on the field, even with us still having some holes in certain spots, um, I think it's fair to say that we're as talented as anybody in the league other than Alabama. I mean, LSU has some talented spots. They have holes, too, just like we have holes. Florida is really talented at spots, but they have holes just like we have holes. Tennessee's got talented spots, but they got way more holes, I think, coming into this year than we do. Uh, Auburn, um, yeah, they got some talented guys as well. They recruit well every year, but they've got holes as well. Uh, I mean, they're going to have to replace some guys in the defensive line. Uh, you got some holes in the secondary at certain spots. 
They got receivers that got to prove themselves. So, yeah, I think it's fair to say that uh, we're just a talent. I'll buy that. All right. Uh, next here, Lindy's in their SEC team predictions. They have us, uh, divisions aside, not worrying about Eastern Division or Western Division, but overall in the SEC and their team predictions, they have us overall finishing third in the league behind both Alabama and Auburn. So are you buying or selling that when it's all said and done, we will finish with a third best record in the SEC? I'm selling it. I don't see Auburn finishing second. Yeah, dude. I, I'm ex- Again, I hate to agree with you, but I'm right there with you. My answer is I'm selling this. But I'm not selling because I think that that's too high for us. I, I'm selling because I think that we're, we're going to have the second best record. Are you with me? Yeah. I, I, I truly believe that. And, and you guys call me a homer, you know, whatever. Say I'm running the preseason hype train. I mean, whatever. If you look at our schedule and look at the competition, I don't think outside of Alabama, is there a dominant contender for for second place there? I, I think there's a couple teams that can fight for that spot. I think we could fight for it. I think Auburn's going to be in that conversation. I think LSU might be in that conversation, although I am not so sure about them. I, I got a lot of questions on LSU right now. Um, and then I think Florida, sure, they, they, they could. Uh, if they can kind of replace some guys defensively. I think, I think Florida's going to be better offensively than people think this year. We talked about that uh, earlier in the week. But, yeah, I, I think that we're right there. If, if Now, things have to fall in place. Our offensive line is the key. It absolutely has to take a big step forward. Remains to be seen. But I think we're going to see some some improvement there. Uh, we need to see Easton take another step forward, which I, I think he's poised to do. Um, and I think we need to see some receivers step up out wide to kind of take some pressure off the running backs and give Easton some guys to throw to. And I think we've got some options that will, that will kind of step up and emerge. So I'm going to sell. I'm going to go that we're going to finish second. All right? So not third, but second. I'm selling that. Uh, okay, and real quickly here, let's take uh, a quick look at Lindy's take on some of our rivals. So back to the opposing coaches view feature, but this time in regards to Florida. Uh, an anonymous SEC coach had this to say about the Gators' defense. Quote, they've lost a lot of good defense to players for a lot of years. Will there be a drop-off? Florida usually doesn't have a drop-off. Florida's in the state of Florida. They will always have good defensive players. But I think they've recruited subpar the last three years, and I think it will catch up with them this year. End quote. All right, Kurt, are you buying or selling that Florida will take a step back defensively due to a decline in overall talent level on that side of the ball? I'm buying it. I mean, the biggest thing is look at the McElwain has recruited very, very poorly since he's gotten there. How would you – I mean – very poor. I, 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 he certainly has not been compared up to the standard. To the, compared to the talent they were getting. Right, compared to what Mich- Will Muschamp had set for them. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you again, and I'm buying this as well. And I, I actually crunched numbers. I had a little spare time earlier today, so I crunched the numbers, and I looked at the Benefort. He's, he's, had, a par- he's had a hand in three re- different recruiting classes. I looked at those three recruiting classes at Florida, and I looked at the three uh, re- recruiting classes immediately before that that Will Muschamp brought in. And if you look at those uh, classes, in the three most recent recruiting classes that uh, Jay McElwain has brought in, if you look at their defensive players that he has recruited and signed, the average, the average defensive recruit they have brought in over the last three years is ranked 421st nationally according to 247 composite ratings. And that is not, I, I did not misspeak, guys. And trust me, I crunched the numbers a couple times to make sure that that was correct. Because I didn't believe it at first. But the average defensive recruit for Florida over the last three years when Jim McElwain's been recruiting these guys is 
and 21 nationally. That is crazy. And that's also with seven players that he recruited and signed that are unranked. It means they're not even good enough to be ranked. So that is crazy. And compare that to Will Muschamp, who his average during the three years before uh, McIlwain, this is the 2014, 2013, and 2012 recruiting classes, the average defensive recruit that Will Muschamp signed in those three seasons was uh, ranked on average 233rd nationally. That is a major drop-off. And to give you even more numbers there, uh, in the last three recruiting classes, Jim McIlwain has signed nine four- and five-star defensive recruits compared to the three years before that in 23 four- and five-star defensive recruits in those three years before Jim McIlwain got there. So we're not just making this up, guys, that, that Florida doesn't have a talent drop when they're losing all these guys that Will Muschamp signed. Those are numbers. And look, okay, they're recruiting in the recruiting rankings. That's absolutely true. But more often than not, the recruiting rankings are, 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 are pretty accurate when it comes to these and or when it comes to indicating what these guys are going to do at the college level. And there is a major talent class. And I want to have classes under Jim McElwain where they've had a major drop in the defensive talent that they are signing and bringing into Gainesville. So I think it's going to start to show up on the field this year. It's hard for me to imagine how it's not going to start to show up on the field this year when all these guys that Jim McElwain or that Will Muschamp recruited that they've kind of been li- making a living off of in Gainesville over the past couple of seasons – now that they're making their way out of Gainesville. So I'm absolutely 100% buying that. Uh, and last one here, one more coach's view. This one on the Auburn defense. An anonymous SEC coach had this to say about the Auburn defense. I think Auburn has the best defensive line in the country, despite losing Carl Lawson and Montrevious Adams. They have nine NFL players on their defensive line. End quote. Curtis, are you in any way buying that statement? They have the best defensive no, I'm, line I mean, in the I think country. they may have one of the best defensive lines. So I'm selling the factory sitting there saying they have nine guys. I mean, you have uh, nine players. I mean, Jesus, nine nine NFL players? Do they even have nine defensive linemen? That's what I'm saying. And when, like, what was it? Antoine just transferred out. He was the yeah, top player exactly. in the nation there. He did absolutely nothing. Yeah, highly rated player that we were after heavily. Uh, Antoine Jackson, uh, half-brother, brother, family member, uh, Bryce and I was at South Carolina, uh, who we were after, but uh, they got, he's gone. So he's not a factor in this at all. Marlon Davidson's a really good player. NFL player. Yeah, probably. Sure. Uh, Dontavious Russell, defensive tackle player, borderline, maybe, uh, Derrick Brown, probably. Now he hasn't done it yet. Now he's a big time recruit. So yeah, I would say based on his recruiting rankings and hype and I, and I saw the guy play a lot. He's a good player. We wanted him badly. He's probably an NFL player down the road. Uh, Andrew Williams, uh, Man, he's another guy that we went after late in the process. I don't know if he's – he hasn't done anything to this point. He's a redshirt junior now. I don't know if he, he's an NFL. Here's a guy, Byron Cowher. Wasn't he like the number one – I'm pretty sure. Wasn't he a number one player at some point? Yeah. I think he was coming out. But the thing is, he was he was recruited as a defensive kind of pass rushing type guy. He's been an absolute bust for them to the point they're moving him inside right now. They're trying to bulk him up. And typically, now sometimes these moves work out, but more often than not, those moves where you have to move a guy from one position to another because it wasn't working out where you initially thought he would play, those moves usually are the reek of desperation. They don't work out. It's not like a last chance. Let's just try something. So Byron Cowher, at this point, I don't see him as an NFL player. He's done nothing in his first two years at Auburn. Absolutely nothing. A complete bust. So, and you mentioned Antoine Jackson's gone. I honestly, I'm looking at their roster right now. I, I don't even think they have nine guys on their roster. So to say all of them are going to make the NFL, we're selling them. And sell the part, too, that you say they have the best teams of mind in the country? 
I don't know about that. They'll have a good defensive line. Marlon Davidson is going to be a good player. He had a really good freshman year. But again, with Montrevious Adams and Carl Lawson gone, now that Marlon Davidson is going to get the majority of the attention on that defensive front, is he going to be able to be as effective when he's the guy that offense coordinators are game planning for? I don't know. Is Derek Brown going to be as good as his recruiting rankings suggest he would be? He's got to show it. He'll get plenty of opportunities this year. So I think they could be a really good defensive line, but the best in the country? I don't know, man. Like I, I know these coaches know a lot more about football than I do. I mean, I'm not going to pretend that I'm smarter than I'm not. I just question how much uh, of these other teams some of these coaches actually watch outside of when they're specifically game planning for that team. I don't know how much they actually watch some of these teams, but I'm going to sell that on both accounts. All right, guys. Well, that's going to do it for us here today. Hope you enjoyed the show. Uh, again, just a quick reminder, we're going to be doing our uh, – May listener mailbag shows next week. So send us in all the questions you got, anything you got, guys. We'd love to hear them. We'd love to bring it up on the show. You can hit us up on Twitter at glory underscore UGA. You can also email us those questions at gloryugapodcast at gmail.com. So uh, for Curtis, I'm Tyler. Thanks again for listening, guys. And as always, go dogs.